A reading from the Gospel of Luke. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and silent. Grace and peace to you all this morning. So the closest I have come to fly fishing is watching a river runs through it. Uh, But here's what I gather. If you're looking for fish in a river, you could do worse than casting behind a big rock. The rock you see, it interrupts the flow of the current. And for a moment, in the wake of that rock, the water is free from being carried relentlessly downward, and the river flows backward or even stands still. Fish like to hang out there. Otherwise, they will certainly be overpowered by the current and swept downstream. There's a current that runs through our lives, too. A current that draws us away from true life. A current that carries us further down a stream of separation from God and from one another. A flow that sweeps us into a life filled with trivialities. You know what it's like to be carried by this current. I'm guessing you've all had that feeling where you look up from your life for a moment and suddenly feel like, oh my gosh, I'm piddling it all away on stuff that doesn't even matter. But you don't know how to stop. 
here's how the current tugs at me in my life. I wish I saw my friends a lot more than I do. I wish I read more. I wish I prayed more. But when I get home, I just reflexively turn on the TV. Or I walk into Target, one thing on my list, <laughs> come out with like a hundred bucks of stuff, of stuff I don't need, stuff likely made in lousy, miserable working conditions, stuff that certainly adds carbon to our climate. I feel the tug when I abandon the hard work of grappling with why I disagree with a person's ideas and giving into the easy temptation to just resent their existence. And everyone, everyone agrees that our children are busier and more stressed out than we were when we were young, and we all think it's bad, we all know it's wrong, but we just keep cramming the schedules full because somehow it feels like it would be more work not to. Now, none of this stuff is malevolent. We didn't wake up and say that we are going to take ourselves further away from God and further away from each other this day. It's just kind of what happens it's the path of least resistance before us. It's the script that life hands us. It's the current carrying us, bearing us away from true and abundant life that God invites us to. Sometimes it feels like we're not even fish who could swim against the current if we tried. It feels more like we're leaves on the surface just floating down, powerless to stop that flow. We know, we know the things we want our lives to be filled with, and yet we can't stop filling them with anything and everything else. This is what makes this woman from Scripture so remarkable. Because somehow, she has figured out a way to not be borne along by the current. We know how this dinner was supposed to unfold. Jesus has become famous, and so when he arrives in this town, he's invited to eat at a prominent person's table. It's a strictly invite-only affair, with only the most influential and well-connected men in attendance. And then here comes this woman, barging on into the private dinner with her jar of ointment to anoint Jesus' feet and bless them with her tears. She interrupts the flow of the evening, the flow of the current. If the current would have had its way, Jesus would have been taken away from the suffering of ordinary people in the village and sequestered away with the wealthy and well-connected, away from the people and tasks he was meant to concern himself with, away from the things that matter. But this woman's presence and persistence is stronger than that current. 
She makes herself impossible to ignore. Think about trying to eat your dinner to the soundtrack of someone weeping, let alone that copious amount of scented ointment hanging in the air. This woman is able to swim upstream, all so that she can show her love for Jesus. So what gives her the strength to interrupt the current? It's that her own life has just been interrupted. See, she had long been labeled a sinner by the men at that table, and perhaps along the way she grew to believe it was true. Life handed her a script, and the path of least resistance was just to follow along and play the part. But all that changed when Jesus came to town. Jesus, God's sign of forgiveness, came and announced mercy. And now she grasps clearly what she had suspected all along, which is that deep down in her soul, in the truest part of herself, there lies a beautiful and beloved child of God from whom nothing will ever be able to separate from God's love and favor. Forgiveness is the interruption. And now, because, because of that, she grasps that God has called her by name, a name that is stronger and truer than the label of sinner. And not only that, that this God has called her to join with God in resisting the current's flow and spending her life on what actually matters, which in this case means a full-bodied, tear-filled, ointment-rich expression of how grateful she is at a meal where nobody is expecting or wanting her presence. She has been interrupted by grace. And so she, in turn, has the strength to interrupt the current that rolls by her. When we talk about Jesus as a rock, it's true. Jesus and the mercy he brings is that rock in the river that interrupts the current. Jesus is the rock behind which little pockets of mercy form, where the river reverses its flow. And we can rest and reach toward connection with God and one another. And when we stumble into these places behind the rock, outside of the current's domain, it does feel like an interruption. So, I will never say that God sends a disease or a health condition or a car accident or something of the like our way as a lesson or a warning or to teach us something, because that's not how God works. God is a healer, and God seeks our good. But what I will say is that when those things interrupt our life, they can have a way 
of clarifying our priorities and calling us back to what matters. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been in the hospital with people and they've said this, this whole thing has made me remember what's really important. And I believe that God is in that part of the ordeal. That Jesus, the rock, has somehow appeared in the, in the current and made a pocket. And the current which would normally bear us into spaces of terror and fatalism suddenly opens up a space to resist the flow and rest and reach for connection and remember what we were created for. Somehow, in the midst of this medical chaos, a quiet clarity emerges, and we understand that what we are put on this earth to do is to love one another and to spend our days and our moments marveling at the people in our lives and the beauty of creation and the God who is still at work creating us all. Behind the rock, we sense that deep down in our soul, in the truest part of ourselves, there is a beautiful and beloved child of God from whom nothing will ever be able to separate God's love and favor, neither sickness nor an uncertain future nor death itself. We've been praying for the Trulson family for a year now, for Wes and Melissa and their daughters, Maxine and Etta. And a year on the prayer list seems rough, but it's actually a really good thing because it means that Wes has lived a full year after being diagnosed with brain cancer. And while the cancer is certainly not from God, the way that Wes and Melissa have lived in the after of this diagnosis shows that they have found a pocket where the current that sweeps our lives into trivialities does not tug at them. Last night, Melissa posted on Wes's Caring Bridge site, and she wrote this. Living in the present is truly one of the most difficult things that can be asked of someone on this journey. We try. Many times we fail, but we try. Today was a beautiful day, and we thank the Lord for the chance to have lived it, and try not to mourn the days of before or anticipate the coming days. You have to be present to win. Being present to your own life and to God acting within it, this is what the current drags us away from. And so strong is the flow that it takes something larger than ourselves to break its hold. We need a rock that will open up that pocket of stillness. The good news is that Jesus is the rock and he appears in our lives. In fact, we encounter him this morning here at this table. 
Scripture tells us a story of an interruption at a table, but this table here is the interruption. This table is the rock in the river, and it guards us from a life consumed by trivialities because it calls us back to what really matters. The meal we share here proclaims things that are true. God's wide love and boundless forgiveness. A space to rest and reach for connection with God and our neighbors. And strength in this food and drink to lead lives that join God in resisting the current's flow. So this morning, come to this table Find your space behind the rock. Know what matters. And become present to your own life. And to God acting within it. This fall, we're letting all of you finish the sermons. And so we end each sermon with a question. And today we ask, what is interrupting your life? Where is the rock in your river? Where are the spaces in your life right now where the current loses its grip and you are drawn back to what really matters? Or where do you see yourself or others resisting the current? Take a moment to reflect and then name these blessed interruptions on the apron in the Welcome Center after worship. Amen.